Week 13, done and dusted, and the fellas are here to dissect it all. Smithy's here, who frankly still had a bad week after his team had the bye, which is simply extraordinary. How are you, mate? Sums up my year. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised something bad would happen to me over this weekend, even though the Panthers couldn't hurt me. So, um, yeah, no, nah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. TD's here, the great man. You've uh, had to stay back at work this week, mate. It's a courageous effort to get up. Yeah, long day, but happy to be here with you boys. Chat some uh, NFL, so I'm excited. As always, and as always, I'm Daz, and usually at this point I do a funny little quip about myself, put myself down, make the other fellas feel good, but we're going to go through it. The amount of piss that I've ripped this week is simply extraordinary, and I can't wait to get stuck into it. And that leads us into what we learned this week, and I learned that uh, my form may have been temporary, but the class is permanent, fellas. I'm back in business and genuinely flying. Smithy, what was a big takeaway for you this week? Big takeaway from me is the AFC is as wide open as I can remember it ever being. Um, it feels like every week the team with the top seed loses. So um, very difficult to read. So it's going to be a very interesting playoff race, that one. Yeah, it definitely is. TD, your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Yeah, mine's uh, just about the same, except it goes for the whole league. Um, you know, both conferences, the NFC... Um, is a little weak at the moment, and um, there's there's plenty of playoff teams at the moment that are si- sitting in playoff spots. But you know, there's teams like New Orleans, Atlanta, even Carolina. They're one game away at the moment, which is just unbelievable to think about. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, I realise that we give our tips every week, boys, but we don't actually update the listeners on how our tips are going. And I thought I would do so because I am now three ahead of Smithy. So flying is dazzling with five weeks to go. And TD is that far back. It's not even funny. He's in double digits, our man. Smithy, we have to give him the intervention, but it's uh, it's not working for him. In fairness, it did work for him this week. It did, uh, yeah. He, he tied he with decent, me this week on 10, so yeah, he's done okay. He, he had a really decent week this week. Uh, I think he beat me by one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he had a good week. He bounced back. But, um, yeah, look, he's got a a pretty long road to get back uh, up with the pack. Yeah, he definitely does. Let's get into the fantasy recap now. Smithy, there are a few ways to win in fantasy. Uh, I won by purely having a better team and my opposition having injuries. Uh, My opponent didn't have Daryl Henderson or Jalen Hurts, which helped me out a great deal. Um, But the team went really well, which is all that I can ask for. Uh, My hero is the Penguin, and who is genuinely flying in the rookie watch. We'll get to that in a second. And my villain this week, I can't really blame Josh Allen because of the weather, so I'm going to go Jamal Williams, eight from your running back two. Isn't exactly what you want. It didn't go to plan, but I won with a superior score. I know you did too, but you were playing Monopoly, mate, because your get-out-of-jail-free card was simply extraordinary. Tell us about it. Yeah, so my hero this week is Mac Jones. And, um, <laughs> it wasn't in fun- your team. Funny thing is, he's not in my team. Uh, <laughs> so the story is, I went into today's game down by two points. I had Dawson Knox and my opponent, uh, the big Q stick. So shout out to Q if he listens to this episode. He had Mac Jones. So uh, on any other day, you'd be like tight end against tight end needs to outscore the quarterback by two. It's not going to be pretty. But Mac Jones threw three passes today and ended up scoring negative. Uh, 0.35 fantasy points. Dawson Knox had a couple of catches and managed to overtake the score. So I ended up winning by two points thanks to that absolute shit show that was uh, today's game. So that's all I can say. And this coming from the man that sat Damian Harris today too. It was simply extraordinary. TD, the commissioner, you've already locked up your playoff spot, mate, in flying. How'd you go this week? Yeah, copped a loss this week. I, um, you know, I thought I scored pretty well um, compared to my scores. Lately, but uh, still lost. The hero for me was David Montgomery. Um, I traded for him probably over a month ago now, and he hasn't really done much. He's been injured, uh, and he had a big game on the weekend, 28.1 points. The villain was Brandon Ayuk for me. He, he did score 8.5, but with no Debo Samuel, I thought he was in for a really big game against you know what has been a, a pretty weak Seattle Seahawks defense, and you know he didn't get the job done. No, he definitely didn't. Let's move on to the rookie watch. Smithy, the Finns are going into the bye, dominating. We'll talk about them. But the fact that the Penguin has charged from way behind, even as much as six weeks ago, to only be one vote behind Jamar Chase, you've got to be happy with your prediction for sure. Yeah, no, he's starting to do what I 
thought he would have done coming straight into the league. Um, they're just giving him the ball and allowing him to run after the catch, which is is his bread and butter. It's what he does best. But I'm a little bit disappointed in Devontae Smith mm. because even though the Penguin has been dominating, all I needed from Devontae was a couple of two-vote games and I'd be sitting in front going into the bye. But he's been so quiet in Philly um, that Jamar Chase has been getting away with two-vote games when his stat lines haven't been awesome. So a little bit disappointing, but I can't complain with my man. And with the Penguin having the bye next week, you will be shouting for Devontae to be getting the ball next week, I'm sure, because it's three and two votes for offer. If Jamar the Eagles gets the bye as well, so... Oh, there you go. Well, actually, just thinking about that. So, all right, well, that's for Jamar. There you go. That's a free swinging week, Smithy. Four votes will be the difference with four weeks to go. How are the confidence levels? Well, unless he uh, doesn't get a catch and, and maybe. That's a very good point, TD. Yes. Great. If Jamar gets injured, that's pretty much going to sum up my year, I think. Yeah. No, nah, I, I think it'll be. Uh, he only needs to get one catch for one yard. Mm. So, um, Look, I'm I'm happy with the way the Penguins playing, but it all relies on Devontae Smith in the last four, to be honest. I think the Penguins going to be fine, but we need Devontae Smith to have a few big games to try and limit Jamar Chase to the one vote. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about big games, mate. Your certs, you had a five-game lead over Colin. You had a beautiful opportunity to put him away this weekend. How did you go? I was really confident coming in. Um, five and I thought my pick- yeah, I thought my picks were uh, in good shape, but went two and three. Uh, look, not the worst result, not the best result. I took the Vikings at the line, and oh, that's boy. typical me putting the Moz <laughs> on a team so bad that they give a team their first win in week 13. Uh, I also had uh, the the Baltimore Ravens yesterday and the Buffalo Bills today, so a few disappointing ones, but... Your Dolphins and my football team, uh, they really picked up the slack and got me those two wins. So not the best week, but uh, can't have been too bad. Colin can't have done much better, surely. Uh, well, unfortunately, mate, leading into today's game, he was 4-0. and In a week full of upsets is where Colin seems to shine. Jeepers. Yeah, absolutely. So he's got 4-1, and one, got two back on you. So your two-game lead from last week is gone. So you're still up three with still five weeks to go. So there's a little bit of a break there, mate, but uh, we're going to need a bounce back next week. Can you deliver? Yeah, no, I'm confident. Every yeah. setback is an opportunity for a comeback, mate. Mate, it absolutely is. All right, TD, let's get you involved, mate, because your Cowboys kicked off the weekend with a 27-17 to 17 win on the road against the Saints. Do you reckon this was a case of your boys getting it done or the Saints not getting it done? Because they did seem to have a couple of opportunities during this one. Yeah, they did. I thought it was a bit of both this game. Um, New Orleans, I thought, started really well. Uh, they brought a bit of pressure on defense. Uh, they made a few plays and they even got a stop on fourth down um, early in the first quarter. And, and then, you know, after that, they allowed some big plays to Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb that set up a Cowboys touchdown, which was a great catch by Michael Gallup. Uh, but, you know, the Saints, the, their next drive, they followed with a touchdown, uh, and then that was just about all she wrote for their offense. They only managed three more points uh, before a junk time touchdown at the end of the game. Offense was a concern coming into the game. We all kind of thought that, um, especially with no Kamara, um, and, you know, the only production they got on the ground was with Taysom Hill. He had over 100 rushing yards, uh, but it was his first opportunity as the starter, and, and he kind of laid an egg. He threw four interceptions, had a couple of nice throws in there, and he threw for a couple of touchdowns. But at the end of the day, looking back at this game, you're only really going to remember those four turnovers, um, which is unfortunate for him. The Cowboys' offense as well, I thought, was very hit and miss. Uh, they struggled to put the Saints away. It was only a three-point game late in the third quarter. Tony Pollard uh, took a run for 58 yards to the house, um, and it was such a pressure reliever for the Cowboys' team. Uh, who, like I said, was struggling. Um, Carlos Watkins then scored a defensive touchdown uh, on that fourth interception from Taysom Hill. It was a great play from a big defensive lineman to grab a ball the way he did. He just plucked it and, t- and took it for a touchdown, which was really good to see. Uh, and that kind of put the nail in the coffin there. It wasn't a great game on prime time. Dallas didn't play well, especially on offense. Um, but it certainly is good to end that losing streak at only two games. And, you know, looking at their remaining schedule, their, their final test is going to be against the Cardinals in just over a month's time. Um, until then, I'll just ride with inconsistent performances, I guess. 
Oh, Smithy's got the, the finger wiggle going. Go for it, mate. You've got a, uh, a reply here ready to go. Our last test will be against the Cardinals. Mate, you have two games left against Washington football team. <laughs> Do not be so disrespectful. Oh, boy. The people on the island, mate, they're not going to like that. Goodness gracious me. All right, Smithy, about this game, do you think fans underrate uh, these victories on the road? Because more people are talking about how the Cowboys played instead of the fact that they got the result. You don't want to be playing your best football in week 13, especially a team that wants to play the playoffs. Do you think Cowboys and maybe the teams that are starting to doubt the Cowboys just accept the fact that they won and move on? Can it be that simple? Yeah, it's a long season. Um, You're never going to play your best football all year. There's always going to be games where you, you just have to scrape through and win ugly. And I think uh, this is one of those occasions. Cowboys fans, as TD said, just got to be happy that the losing streak ends at two and they can get another win on the board. They've got to, if they can close out the season well, you can have some confidence in them going into the playoffs, I think. Yeah, beautiful. I like that. Let's move on to the Cardinals and the Bears. Smithy, this was your game, a 33-22 to 22 win for the Cardinals who became the first team of the 2021-22 season to have 10 wins. Smithy, yet I feel I still feel like I should say that the Cardinals are going under the radar. Am I being crazy or am I right? I think you're right, um, especially and in the how NFC. How is that possible? Everyone in the NFC wants to talk about the Rams because they've made the big moves. They've got the big names in. You know, you've got Tampa Bay. Everyone wants to talk about them, obviously. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is a big talking point. But I think Arizona are being underrated, and it's ridiculous to say. Um, they did it again this week, and they are now 7-0 and on the road with every win being by 10-plus points. Just insane. Um, they are so good on the road. Uh, they're just such a consistent team. They've been, they won without Kyler Murray. Uh, they won this game with him, and he was back. Uh, he came back with a bang. He had 123 passing yards and two touchdowns in really tricky conditions, may I add, uh, as well as 59 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So uh, he's back to being that dual threat beast that we all know he is. I just want to say a massive uh, LOL, massive lol to anyone who said Andy Dalton is a better option than Justin Fields. Uh, he came out and threw four interceptions in this game and they opened the playbook up more for him and it didn't work. So uh, for anyone who suggests that Andy Dalton is a better option than Justin Fields, just stop it. Get some help um, because it's quite obvious that he's not and we need my man back in that lineup. Uh, the Cardinals are now 10-2, and two, but the challenges remain. I think their division games are going to really test them uh, and if they can get through... The rest of their divisional games, fairly unscathed. Uh, I think they really are the real deal and they're every chance of finishing with a first-round bye. Yeah, they definitely are. Now, I'm scared to ask this question because TD has sounded out on this man before, but is there a lot to be said about having a good uh, backup quarterback, TD? Because Kyler could have played a couple of times, they reckon, and they rested him because they put the faith in Colt McCoy a name that will send shudders through to our listeners because TD could go right off here and his head could explode. But does it say something that they've got a man that they trust with the playbook in order to get Kyler to 100% when he probably could have played at 90? Yeah, it's certainly such a big advantage to have um, a backup quarterback like that um, who they obviously trust. And, you know, he's not going to, you know, the Cardinals are such a good team, especially defensively. He's not going to lose you games by trying to force passes down the field. He's just going to take what the defense is giving him uh, and that offense is good enough to go um, with someone else in there. Um, so it certainly is a, such a big advantage to have backup quarterback like that. Um, we've seen it over the years. If some teams go down, you haven't got the right backup quarterback and it's, and it's over. We saw that with Dallas last year and we've seen it a hundred times before that. Yeah, we definitely have. Let's move on to the Bucks and the Falcons. Tom Brady still hasn't lost to Atlanta in 10 games with 28 touchdowns and four interceptions. It's one of the biggest sort of ownings of a franchise that we've seen, but it was a 30-17 to 17 win for Tampa Bay. And TD, if he's not, uh, who is your current MVP and should it be Brady? For me, it is Brady. Um, there's been a lot of inconsistency in the NFL this year. Um, and probably the people that have been most consistent have been uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. So if it wasn't Brady, I'd say Rodgers at the moment. But 
you know, Tom Brady, he's been very con- consistent this year. He leads the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Um, he was great again in this game. He had 368 yards and four touchdowns. And um, we all kind of expected that after he kind of took the back seat last week and, and let the run game and Leonard Fournette do all the work. Um, but this week, the Bucks' run game struggled. They only managed 57 rushing yards. They did only attempt 17 runs, uh, which was a bit surprising considering they had the lead for the whole game. But, I, you know, watching this game or the game popping up on red zone, Tom Brady had, had nearly 20 passes in the first quarter, which was just unbelievable. Um, Matt Ryan was efficient throwing the ball. He had 30 completions from 41 attempts, uh, but he did have trouble staying upright. He got sacked five times, and the offensive line's been such a big issue for this team this season, and it certainly didn't help them in this game. Uh, the pick six from Marlon Davidson right before halftime made this game interesting. I think it was a three-point game at halftime. Um, but the Falcons just couldn't produce any points in the second quarter or the second half, sorry. Their final five drives ended in a fumble, three punts, and the final drive of the game where time expired on Atlanta. Uh, I think we kind of know what both of these teams are by this point. The Bucs just seem to be cruising uh, and they're coming towards the playoffs. And I think they're a really big contender. You know, as bad as the Falcons have been, as I said at the start of the show, they're only one game out of the playoff race at the moment. Um, I don't expect them to come close to that, but it just shows how close the NFC is and the league is right now. Yeah, it definitely does. Smitty, now is Tom Brady or probably Tampa's biggest weapon at the moment, the muscle memory that Tom's got in clutch situations, because he seems to be the only contending NFC quarterback who's not being questioned about his ability to stand up in big moments. Yeah, it comes with experience. I think you can put Aaron Rodgers in the conversation as well of NFC NFC quarterbacks who uh, consistently stand up in the big situations. But yeah, he's experienced. The bloke's been playing for twenty two years, so um, he's going to be able he's he's going to be able to do uh, quite a lot of things that other people can't do. Um, Just like other players can do things that he can't do, but obviously standing up in the clutch is one of his biggest strengths. And when it comes to playoff time, that's going to be a really big thing for the Bucs. I know the AFC is wide open at the moment, but these NFC uh, playoff games are just going to be genuinely insane. I can't wait for them, but let's move on. Smitty, the Chargers and the Bengals, you were the only one to tip Cincinnati, which leads me into the question, are the Chargers back or are they just further into your bad books, mate? Because they entered the what the fuck club. And I feel like with a performance like this, they didn't earn their way out. They just earned their way deeper in the hole. Mate, I literally called this. Yeah, you and did. I listened back to the episode and oh, I'm going to give you guys my- listening to himself, my, TD. What the fuck are we my, dealing with? Oh. No, I, I listened back so I could give you guys my direct quote word right. for word. Yeah, All right? that's what we'll say. Yep. From here. Yeah. After I've tipped Cincinnati, Cincinnati, that's a good start. <laughs> that after was a I've, good quote, was it? <laughs> uh, after I've tipped Cincinnati, the Chargers are going to come out and look like the best team in the NFL. <laughs> and I was correct. Did, yeah. I was correct because, oh, they dominated this game and it's so frustrating. Your man fully loaded was back to his explosive best and the Chargers offense looked explosive and fun as they have, uh, as they did to start the season. But I think it's their defense that deserves the credit in this one. Uh, They finally stopped the run. They held Joe Mixon to just 54 rushing yards on 2.8 yards per attempt. And they sacked Joe Burrow six times, which is the Chargers most in a game since 2016. So, wow. um, And this is what makes the Chargers so frustrating. And this is what put them in the what the fuck club because. We all know how good they are when both sides of the ball show up like this. When their offense is scoring 40 and their defense is standing up, they are one of the best teams in the NFL. And I don't doubt that for a second. But we rarely see it. Either the defense lays an egg and allows 250 rushing yards or their offense can't move the ball. It, it, it's so annoying. Um, so that's why that's where my frustration lies with them because I know how good they can be, but they just don't show it enough. Um, I don't hate the franchise at all. That's not where where any of this comes from, but it's just frustrating because you want them to be as good as they can be. For the Bengals, it brings back the question, are they a real playoff threat or are they just going to be a one and done in the playoffs? Are they going to get bounced in a wild card or are they even a chance to miss the playoffs? Uh, I would like to get your guys' thoughts on that. 
My instincts say that they're probably the seventh seed and probably no higher. TD, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, there's plenty of teams like that now. They they had an opportunity to kind of break away from all those teams that are clustered down there with seven, six or seven wins and, and they didn't do it. Now there's that many teams sitting on seven wins and I think, I don't know where they are now, probably the six or seven, but even the Bills are sitting at seven right now and I can't see them missing. So if the Bills are going to jump them and they're sitting seven, I don't know who's eight. I think the Colts are just outside and they're playing really well too. So, you know, it's so hard to pick in the AFC and it's going to be such a big month ahead. Yeah, well, and I'm not making this about the Dolphins, I promise, but we're now six and seven and we're 13th in the AFC. So that's how open it is, which is insane. Let's move on to the Vikings and the Lions. TD, this is your game now. We actually gave you a bit of shit about having to watch this game, and it was one of the best games, especially result-wise, but a 29-27 to win to the Lions. Unbelievable. Detroit get their first win. They celebrated like they won the Super Bowl. It was absolutely awesome. Unless you were a Viking fan, you would have had to be pretty heartless not to be uplifted by this performance. But TD, I ask you, how, and I repeat myself, how in the fuck did this happen? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we all, we all hinted um, in the earlier episode last week uh, that the most Vikings thing to do in this game is to lose and, and let the Lions win their first game. And that's exactly what they did. And they, they did it in the worst possible way, really. Um, you know, four of, the, uh, four of the Vikings' first five drives crossed halfway and only resulted in six points. So they started really slowly. Um, and Detroit, on the other hand, they had four consecutive scoring drives in the second quarter that gave them a 20 to six lead, which, you know, you just, you know, it was good to see that, but you just kind of felt like the Vikings were going to flick the switch in the second half. And that's what they did. Um, they scored on four of their five drives, which included the go ahead touchdown with a minute 50 left. Uh, but like Detroit did the last time these two played, they left too much time on the clock. And Jared Goff turned into John Elway in the 1986 AFC Championship game and led the Lions to a game-winning drive. Um, he converted a fourth down for a touchdown uh, on the final play of the game, which was, I thought, very poor defense from the Vikings. They gave Amon Ross, St. Brown, way too much room in the end zone there, um, especially when you know it's obviously going to be a pass. It's the last play of the game. You can't run the ball there. You just have to you know, send a couple of defenders as pressure and then get back and they didn't do it well enough. And, you know, they've got no one to blame but themselves for allowing that touchdown drive, which probably never should have happened to an offense, which isn't good uh, in Detroit's, um, you know, it, it was a great catch though by Armin Ross and Brown. So, you know, I'll give them that. And obviously the Lions deserve the win uh, and the celebration from the Lions was probably my favorite th thing of the week. And mm. I said it a few weeks ago, the Cam Newton I'm back was my favorite of the year, but this might just take the cake. It was really good to see him get the win. And, you know, I'm a big fan. I, I hate seeing teams go a whole season without a win, especially the Lions, um, who it happened to not long ago. Uh, but, you know, as I said before, it just felt like the Lions were going to find a way to lose another close game. It wasn't the case. Um, I don't know if I can see them winning another one for the rest of the year, but it doesn't really matter now. They've got the monkey off the back uh, and they're still sitting with the number one pick at the moment in the draft. So that's good for them. You know, it's devastating for the Vikings and Vikings fans. Uh, you know, that's two weeks in a row. They've let games slip after they beat the Packers, which, you know, that would just make you so mad if you're a Vikings fan, uh, especially coming into this game where, you know, you wouldn't have expected to lose. You would have been fearing losing, but you wouldn't have expected it at all. Um, but they are still only one game out of the playoffs, like I said. So, you know, it feels like their season should be over, but it isn't. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, they left um, Brown or St. Brown, sorry, like that open that it was kind of like a bloke pulling a knife out on you in the street and you're looking at him going, what are you going to do, stab me? Like, they, of course he was going to throw it. And if you leave him open, of course he's going to be the target. It just didn't make sense to me at all. Smithy, when we crown our podium in the What The Fuck Club, our three clubs that just, our three teams that just make us scratch our heads, they're a nightmare to tip. Can we just spoil it now and say that no one's going to beat Minnesota? But surely no one can upend them now. Nah, they've, they've taken on the crown. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of contenders for the other two medals, but uh, Minnesota have claimed gold. So probably the only thing they've got going for them at the moment. But uh, yeah, very poor performance. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd be very, 
I'd be very surprised to see uh, Mike Zimmer coaching the Vikings next year, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season. Yeah, Vikings fans expect disappointment that much. They start drinking the night before. I can't say that I'll blame them. Let's move on, Smitty. My Dolphins, mate, they are genuinely flying at the moment. Five in a row. They beat the Giraffe Neck 20-9, to nine. Mike Lennon and the Giants. TD loved that, but he mutes himself when he laughs. It doesn't make any sense, but we'll move on. Smithy, how should uh, me and my fellow Dolphins be feeling right now? Because there is 50% of my brain that's going, this is the Dolphins football we've been looking for. And then the other 50% of me is going, if it's what I've been looking for, where the fuck was it in the early part of the year? Is my anger justified? Yeah, I think it would definitely be frustrating. Um, but I think you should be feeling pretty good. Uh, you're on a nice win streak. Um, but I think at the same time, you've also got to be a bit wary as well of a few of the holes that are evident with the Dolphins that I'll talk about a bit later that I saw in this game. But this was a game you never should have lost with the Giraffe leading the Giants. But the score was 10 to 6 at three-quarter time. And Finns fans, I think they would have been pretty nervous, to be honest. I think the uh, because was tight, let me tell you. Yeah, because this is a game that you never should have dropped. But uh, luckily, Tua got you over the line with another fantastic outing. Uh, he's he's shutting up the doubters even more. And we just love to see it here at TDs and Threes. We've been on the, the Tua bandwagon for the whole season now. So uh, we're feeling pretty justified and, and vindicated at the moment, which we love to see. But uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about a few of the holes I mentioned earlier for the Dolphins. Um and the one that's most glaringly obvious to me is the running game. Uh, they only had 68 rushing yards on 25 attempts, which is 2.7 yards per carry on the game. So it just makes it hard on a quarterback when you don't have a reliable running game uh, because the defense just loads up on pass-heavy formations and you know, it can make it really difficult for the quarterback to be continuously accurate. Uh, Tua is doing a great job of it. Don't get me wrong, but this offense could go to a whole nother level with, you know, an above average running game. Uh, if they can, I think they need to go early in the draft and find a running back or sign one in free agency uh, because that that's the way that the Finns are going to reach the expectations we had of them this year coming into season 2022. The other one is offensive line. Daz, you've spoken about it all year, so I won't harp on it too much, but that and the running game go hand in hand. Uh, if you can't run block, you can't run the ball productively. So um, they're the two big holes that I think the Finns need to improve if they're going to become the team we want and we thought they'd be. Yeah, I like it, mate. And there's a lot of talk on Twitter, and I'm not actually sure if he's a free agent. I actually don't think he is, but the amount of Dolphins fans that are screaming on social media to go get AJ Dillon from the Packers is extraordinary. So I don't know if there's anything there because it's becoming almost a wave now, and we know that waves don't really start without some little bit of information. But uh, TD, I'll ask you as well, but Smithy, I'll get your thoughts first. Would you rather go to free agency or use the pick 12 that they currently have? Um, I'd probably prefer going to free agency i think we've seen um it's very hard to nail a running back in the top of the draft i know some teams have done it uh but you know their life oh not their life expectancy but their the expectancy of them as a starter in the nfl it it doesn't it's not as long as as say if you were to draft an offensive lineman or something like that i think the offensive line is where you need to go in the draft and then you know hopefully you can get a, a nice running back. I think you need more than Miles Gaskin as the starter. I, I really like Gaskin, but he's more of a receiving back in my opinion. And I think you just need someone who can who can run the ball really well. Um, and and yeah, that, that he would pair really well with um, Gaskin. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Smithy, free agency or the draft pick, where would you go? I think just off the top of my head in terms of the free agency class this year, I think there are a few pretty handy offensive linemen on the market. So I'd actually probably go a different way to TD. I'd spend big money in free agency on the offensive line, fill that out, and then I'd trade back from pick 12, um, get some more assets and draft a running back in the second round because we know that the running back draft capital or draft stock, should I say, is just falling. They're getting taken later and later and later. 
We're seeing really impactful players like Elijah Mitchell this year for San Francisco. It was a sixth round pick. So, mm. you know, you don't need a, a top 10 pick anymore to nail a, a superstar running back. So I'd be looking at offensive line free agency, trade back in the draft, try and find your gem running back there and start again. I like it. I know we didn't talk about the Giants that much, but with Glennon at quarterback and we know how bad the Giants are, Dazzling got to indulge there a little bit. Let's move on to the Eagles and the Jets. TD, your game, a 33-18 to 18 win to the Eagles. Um, I know this might seem like an overreaction, but sometimes the questions have just got to be asked. Could other teams be looking at Gardner Minshew as a potential starter or a plug-in starter or maybe a plug-in quarterback somewhere else? a plug-in backup quarterback somewhere else next year. Could someone throw money at him after that kind of performance? Because it was encouraging, albeit against a Jets defense, which is, well, let's just face it, trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he showed in this game that he can he step right in and, and produce. I think he's kind of player that's going to be a career backup, but um, in my opinion, he's probably a, a better option than a lot of guys in the league right now. Um, you know, and he showed it. Like I said, in this game, he stood Stepped in in his first game in over a year, and and he produced really well. Um, you know his rookie season was it was a lot of fun to watch because nobody really expected it. Uh, and then he got the starting job last year, and and they really struggled to win a game. Um, so I don't think he's a guy you want starting for you for um, a long time. But he's certainly someone who would be handy to have uh, behind a quarterback like it showed today. I'll say again, but. I thought he was really good in this game um, and you can't help but love him as a person and a player. He's just, his passion's next level. Um, he's just, you know, he's one of those players that you just really like um, no matter if he's playing well or not, you can like him as a player if, if you want to. And, and I do, but um, you know, I like him as a person as well. And he's very likable kind of guy. His passion is just incredible. Um, he did a lot of his work in this game in the first half. Philadelphia leaned on the run in the second half. He did finish 20 of 25 for 242 yards and two touchdowns. Both of those were big plays at Dallas Godert, um, which was easily his best game of the season and probably his career, to be honest. The Eagles now, they've won five from their last six. Um, you know, And as I said before, they leaned on the run in the second half. They finished with 185 rushing yards. And Miles Sanders had 120 of those, which uh, he's the first Eagles player to have over 100 rushing yards this season, which it's an amazing stat considering Philadelphia have the most rushing yards in the league and they haven't had a 100-yard rusher until this game. Um, you know, it's it's hard to believe, but, you know, they've had a lot of players that have had 80 yards, 90 yards, but they haven't had 100 yards and that's what they got today. The Jets in this game, they scored 18 points from their first three drives and, you know, it kind of looked like maybe they were going to, play a little spoiler a little bit and, you know, give the Eagles a bit of a challenge, but they didn't score any more points after that. Uh, and Philly Cruz still win in the second half. And they're in a really good spot considering how they started the year. They now have the bye and then they finish with four division games, which is an ideal. You never want to have to go through four division games in a row to end the year, but, you know, they kind of have the opportunity to take a playoff spot from Washington. Um, if they can beat them twice, they're going to be, Obviously, they play each other twice. Um, and, you know, usually division games, I like to see it as each team will take one, take one um, each. But, you know, if Washington can win both or Philadelphia win both, they kind of eliminate the other. So, you know, they both are going to have an opportunity at the end of the year. Yeah, they definitely are. Smithy, I, I hate asking this sort of question because we spoke about the sort of the plight of Detroit and how much we'd like that they bounce back. But, how hopeless do you see the situation in New York being? Because not only does it not look good, it hasn't looked like getting better for a while. Yeah, it's it's tough um, because I, I liked what they did in the latest draft. Um, it hasn't panned out yet, but I think they just need to really do the full rebuild. They need to go Philadelphia 76ers uh, switching codes for a minute. But when they did the process, the process. <laughs> yeah, when they did the process, they trusted the process. They went to the draft about five years in a row, were terrible for about five years. And they've been a perennial playoff team for the last four or five. So I think they've just got to stick it out, stick with Salah, keep going to the draft, address needs and just build together. 
because if you keep trying to put a band-aid over this uh, situation with a new coach every two years, you know, a new defensive coordinator every two years, it, it's just not going to work. You need consistency. You need continuity. They just need to be patient. Yeah, I like that. Let's move on, mate. The Washington football team, the Island, got the two-point win over the Raiders. TD soft spot team, but it was 17 to 15, mate. I want to talk about the vibe on that island because she would have been pumping. Is there a real we're storming towards the playoffs kind of vibe? Because there's a spot there, and if they want it, it's theirs. What did you say? You might have to talk a bit louder. Um, I'm partially deaf after the party that has been the <laughs> island over the last four weeks because we're on a roll, baby. Um, <laughs> they are flying my Washington football team, and it has been a good place to be. They're playing really good football, and I cannot give enough credit to my man, the Heineken beer. Uh, in this game specifically, he was 23 for 30, 196 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He was awesome. He played really well. And it's the defense. They've been huge. They're, they've been playing a lot better football. They've gone back to the team we expected them to be defensively. Um, and they kept this high power Raiders offense to only 15 points and no passing touchdowns to Derek Carr, which um, has been a big point of emphasis for them. I think they're definitely a chance to make the playoffs. Obviously, now they're sitting in the sixth seed. Uh, but with just like the Eagles, uh, they've got all division games coming up. So they'll play the Eagles twice, the Cowboys and the Giants. So um, they're so unpredictable divisional games. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but um, they're playing great football and that's all you can do at this time of the year. For the Raiders, this game showed me one thing and it was a glaring weakness. Uh, they need to attack wide receiver in the offseason. They need to throw the farm at Devontae Adams and try and pair him with his college quarterback in Derek Carr. They both went to Fresno State together, very good friends, because it was a disaster. No Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro had nine catches in this game. The next highest by a receiver was three for Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. Um, so if they couldn't pass it to Hunter Renfro, or Josh Jacobs out of the backfield, they had nothing, literally nothing. So very hard for Derek Carr and the offense to move the ball when it's like that. They need to attack wide receiver either through free agency or the draft because uh, the depth chart is looking ugly at the moment. Yeah, it definitely is. TD, you've got the uh, NFC East with your Cowboys. How are the nerves, mate? Because it looks like they're storming home. Who's Washington? Yeah, how nervous are you as a Cowboys uh, fan about the uh, the rest of the NFC East, mate? Uh, I'm I'm not nervous. It's it's more of um, you know if the Cowboys the way they've been playing lately, I, I really couldn't give a shit um, <laughs> if they if they lost the division. To be honest, I am um, replaying that. If you lose next week, that is going to lead us into the show. Just I do know because you guys have got obviously Washington next week. If Washington win that, it's just going to be how nervous are you about the NFC East? Oh, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I think there's somehow there's going to be two NFC East teams uh, that make the playoffs. And whether that's Philadelphia or Washington is the second one, assuming the Cowboys are the first. I think we all would agree if two make it, Cowboys probably do. Um, but Washington, they have five division games left. They haven't, they've only played one division game this year. Um, and, you know, it's not ideal, as Smithy said, to have five division games. You've got to play the Cowboys twice, um, the Eagles twice, and they play the Giants as well. As I said earlier, I like to, when, you know, kind of predicting games, split the division games. Um, but the thing they have got for them is that it's such a weak division. They've, you know, the, the Giants and the Eagles and, they're not easy games. No division games are easy, but it's a lot better than, say, being in the AFC West. If, if you're in the AFC West and you were 6-6 six and six right now and you had five division games left, you could kiss your ass goodbye, but they're in a good position right now. Yeah, they definitely are. Let's move on to the Colts and the Texans. And let me tell you, oh, there is going to be fuck all spent on this analysis, I feel like, because when the Texans couldn't get inside the Colts' 40-metre line for the entire game... There is not a lot to talk about here. It was a 31 to nil shutout for uh, Indy TD. It was your game. That's what happens when you tip like shit, but you get to draft the next week, mate. That's the positive. You've got to look at it. But of all the teams in the AFC outside 
of the playoff spot. Is Indy's running game the most dangerous of all the ways that these teams outside of the playoffs can attack someone? Yeah, it is. This um, this Colts team, I think, is built to win playoff games and they've got a tough defence and, like you said, a great run game. Um, they had five players in this game who weren't quarterbacks have at least one rushing attempt and they all averaged over three yards per carry. Um, obviously, the standout was Jonathan Taylor with 32 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns and it just looks like there's no stopping him or slowing him down at all. He's just in one of those forms and, and you know, they're just going to keep riding him until, you know, they either make the Super Bowl or uh, or get kicked out of the playoffs somehow. But uh, the offensive line, it's playing really well uh, in both uh, pass blocking and run blocking. Uh, they've only allowed more than one sack in a game once since week six. That clearly helps Carson Wentz. Um, you know, he's not being asked to do too much, which I think that's really good. Um, you don't, you know, it's harsh to say you don't want your quarterback doing too much, but I think that's the case with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, he only attempted 22 passes in this game. The Texans' offense in this game was dreadful, um, and a lot of credit goes to the Colts' defense, but they had zero points, or they scored zero points, had 141 total yards. Majority of those were rushing. They only had 57 yards passing. Um, as Daz said, they didn't get inside the 40-yard line. They only crossed halfway twice. They only had nine total first downs, and to show how, how much they got dominated, I think the Colts had six red zone six trips to the red zone and, you know, the Texans only got nine total first downs. So that's just how much this game um, or how much the Colts dominated them in this game. Uh, it's just a day to forget for the Texans. Tyrod Taylor got hurt again uh, and clearly nothing went their way. It's been a long season for them uh, and this probably wasn't even their worst performance of the year. In my opinion, they're the worst team in the NFL uh, and their future isn't that bright either. We, You know, Smithy touched on it with the Jets. Their future isn't bright. The, the Texans might even be worse. Um, but the Colts, I think they're one of the better teams in the NFL, especially in recent form, um, but they're still outside the playoff picture and they've got actually the next two games are against the number one seeds from the NFC and the AFC. So um, that's a tough two games for them and, and they've really got not much room to, you know, they can't afford to lose both of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Smithy, I'm guessing this is just a game to forget and we move on rather quickly. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I haven't even looked at the stats for this game. Uh, yeah, it was so relevant. So let's move on. Let's move on to the Ravens and the Steelers. 20-19 to 19 was the victory for the Steelers. But all the talk was about a failed two-point conversion. I'm sure it's going to come up. But before we get to that, Smithy, are the Steelers just out here just ruining teams' late-year runs? Or did the Ravens do this themselves with that two-point conversion? Because although it did cop a lot of criticism, if they had pulled it off, they would have looked like geniuses. Sport is a fickle game. It is a fickle game, but uh, the Ravens have themselves to blame. They, they're the better team. Yeah, they're, they're the better team. There's no doubt about that. And they had their shot to win, and Lamar just missed the throw. It's as simple as that. Um, and we love Lamar on this show. Obviously, mm-hmm. Daz and I have spoken many times about how much we love Lamar Jackson, but it, as much as a game is you know, three hours worth of, of action, it did come down to that one play. And he missed it. So he'll take it on the chin. Two pretty tough weeks in a row for him, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. I want to focus on the hero of the game, though, and his name is TJ Mott, the TJ Watt. Uh, what a star. What a star. Three and a half sacks and three tackles for loss. Just a ridiculous performance, and there's no doubt about it. He was the difference in this game. Um, without him, the Steelers wouldn't have won this game. So... Massive shout out to him. I cannot wait to watch Deontay Johnson next year with a different quarterback throwing in the ball. Uh, he had eight catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns. And having a QB with a bit of a stronger arm throwing him the ball next year, he could seriously go nuclear. I think he he's one of the best wide receiver talents in the NFL. So I am seriously excited to see him go about his work next year with a new quarterback, uh, assuming that the reports about Ben Roethlisberger retiring are true. And as I said off the top of the show, the AFC remains a complete dart throw. Um, the the Ravens were the number one seed coming into this game and they lost. I think it happened to the Titans one week. It happened a few other times to other teams. So the number one seed just loses every week in the AFC. So, okay, um, Patriots. 
Yeah, I was going to say tip against the Patriots next week. Well, TD will do that even if they weren't the one seed because that's just how he feels about them. But TD, uh, the Steelers, though, are they sort of a roughy playoff chance or do you think they're just the type of team that might end up ruining a few seasons, like I said at the start? Yeah, I, I think they're probably a team that's that could ruin a few uh, teams' seasons uh, and throw a spanner in the works in the playoffs, but I, I can't see them making the playoffs. I think their offense is too inconsistent, and even in this game, um, it wasn't good, especially in the first half of the second half. They they played really good, I thought, but I did say um, Pittsburgh's defense would keep it close. I just thought the offense um, would give them no chance, and it started that way. Like I said, they started very slow. They had under 100 yards and three points in the first half, uh, but they did come to life in the second half, and I thought it was one of Big Ben's better games. Uh, it was good to see him, um, especially with all the talks surrounding him this week. You know, he showed up in this game, uh, and yeah, Lamar wasn't great in this game, and he's been pretty bad lately, to be honest. And he had that one um, interception, I think it might have been on one of the first drives of the game, where he's just running backwards, and it looked like that touchdown pass from last week where Mark Andrews was wide open in the end zone, and um, it just went straight into Minka Fitzpatrick's hands. And he said after the game, he thought he had enough juice on the ball to to get it over the defender. I just thought that was it was a kind of was like a rookie mistake that one because running backwards like that and throwing a ball like that um, when you, there's a defender in front of the target, it, it's not going to happen. And um, he's going to learn from that. But you know, you know, he's going to bounce back, and we all know that he will, uh, that he can, and we hope that he will. Yeah, we are a great fan of uh, Lamar on this show, so fingers crossed he does bounce back. TD, the Jags and the Rams, it was a predictable enough result, 37-7 to the Rams. They bounced back after their three-game losing streak. Do we actually learn anything from these types of performances, even though we're probably uh, happy for the Rams? I mean, probably everyone, but um, Chargers fans or NFC contending supporters. But, I mean, they had to break the drought, but we don't really learn anything from this, do we? No, we don't. Um, we already know they're going to beat bad teams. Six of eight, six of their eight wins have been against bad teams, and they haven't. I know they beat the Bucks earlier in the year, but they haven't really had a signature win since then. Um, you know, we're not going to learn anything from these type of games. Uh, they do finish the season with five opponents that are going to challenge them. I think so. We're going to have a good idea of who the Rams are by the end of the regular season. Um, but we have been critical of the Rams' defense this season, and, and rightly so, I think. Um, but they showed up in this game. They never allowed the Jaguars' offense to get in any sort of rhythm. They only managed 197 total yards on 55 plays. Uh, the Rams did really well to shut down the run game. The Jaguars had 61 yards on 25 attempts, which put a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence, who didn't play bad. Um, he just wasn't really effective in this game. Um, and you know, coming into the game, I thought it was going to be one of the uglier games of his uh, young career, but it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, he didn't turn the ball over, and he just had. Um, it's it's starting to show that team lacks talent, um, and you know, it's a tough spot for him. But as long as he's getting the reps in this game, and he's he's getting these games to learn, he's going to be better for it. Um, the Rams' offense, I thought, was good, especially in the second half. They had three touchdowns in four drives. Matt Stafford played his best game in over a month. Um, Sonny Michelle was great without Henderson, which was good for Smithy's fantasy team. Um, Cooper Cup had over 100 yards again, I, I think, and I, I think he scored a touchdown as well. Um, I did pick the Rams to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, like I said last week, uh, I think in the NFC or, or the AFC even, you're going to need the number one or the number two seed, and, and it's such a big advantage to have um, and they're probably going to have to win all of their games if there are any chance at catching Arizona in the division um, and giving themselves a real shot at the Super Bowl. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Smithy, I mean, we're going to move on from the Jags pretty quick, but for the Rams, because they've gone all in this year, I remember asking you a few weeks ago, I want to know if your opinion's changed. Is it Super Bowl or bust for this Rams squad, or could they take this and potentially, if they don't get to the promised land, can they still have as good a swing next year? Or do you reckon it's chips in, all in, they need it this year or bust? I think they could probably go again next year. Um, but it's it's definitely either this year or next year. Mm. Um, I, I think that'll be about their window um, just because their defense is getting pretty old and it hasn't even been that good this year. So it's definitely something to be wary of. Yeah, and fingers crossed they're not thinking, well, if it's not this year, it's next year. Clearly, they'd be looking at this year. 
or bus. Let's move on to the Niners and the Seahawks. It was a 30 to 23 win for the Seahawks and Smithy for the last two weeks, mate, you backed the Seahawks and they absolutely stank. You thought I'm not tipping them for the rest of the year and they go and win by a touchdown. So how are your hatred levels for the Seattle Seahawks right now? Uh, just before I get into my <laughs> analysis of this game uh, and answer that question, this is serious though. I just want to send our best wishes to Trent and Cannon, who got um, mm. taken off the field in an ambulance uh, early in the game. Uh, he's still under watch at uh, in hospital, so obviously our best wishes go to him. We never want to see injuries like that uh, happen in the great sport that we love. But uh, yes, absolutely, it does. Uh, increase my hatred for Washington. Uh, although Russell Wilson was for 16. Well, for Seattle, yeah, not Washington. I don't oh, know why boy, the Washington, island's not going to like that. He's getting yeah, thrown no. off the yeah. island. Yeah, no, he's he's going to come party with us tonight. No, <laughs> welcome back. No, you, you, you cannot throw the king off the island. Oh. It, it, I get welcomed with open arms every time I go back. But um, yeah. Russell Wilson was 16 and four against San Francisco coming into this game. Uh, and made it 17 and four. So I probably should have seen it coming, but it was impossible to trust them, let's be honest. Uh, the fake punt set the tone at the start of the game. 73 yard touchdown run by Travis Homer. Uh, it was a great play, but I have no idea how he made it look so easy. He li- they literally direct snapped the ball to him, and straight away he only had the kick returner to beat. It-, it was bizarre how easy it was, but um, set the tone for the game. You know what I realized out of this game? The Niners really missed Debo Samuel, and it was it was really obvious. Uh, the offense didn't look the same as it has for the last month, and Jimmy G looked flustered at times. Uh, it sort of brought us back down to earth, uh, back down to earth in terms of his standing as a QB after a few good weeks. It just reminded us all that about his limitations, and that maybe he he is just a bit of a a game manager who can have the occasional good game. So. Uh, I guess well done to Seattle. Um, but yeah, San, San Fran really pissed on my campfire in this one. I know that it's Smithy Certs is your segment, mate. But if we can put a sixth tip in, can I say that the people on that island are going to tell you to piss off to Seattle? Now that you've said that, that's going to be my tip for this week. Dollar ninety, book it in, put the house on it. Uh, TD. Well, uh, they've already paid out wrong for you, so um, get stuffed. <laughs> TD, we did wonder whether Debo Samuel was the revolutionary force behind their offense, and it looks like that was the case. Is he now the single most important niner on that squad? Yeah, he probably is. He's so, um, you know, he's such like a, like a, I think Smithy said this before, he's like a hybrid hybrid running back slash wide receiver. Um, and, and obviously he's so important to this team's success. Uh, the 49ers, I think, blew this one. They... We're moving the ball pretty easily in the first half. Their first, oh, and then their first three drives of the second half was the fumble. Uh, obviously, on the kick return, they then had a safety uh, and then threw an interception. So it kind of spiraled out of control in the second half. Um, the defense forced a fumble on the Seahawks uh, on the Seahawks goal line. Sorry, um, after Seattle didn't take a field goal, which was, you know, it was a controversial take. I, I guess. Oh, controversial decision to not go up by two scores with you know just under six minutes to go, but they wanted to to run some more time with the clock and hopefully punch in the touchdown. They couldn't do it, and it gave the 49ers one last chance to tie the game. And um, I kind of had an issue with the play calling on the the last drive for San Francisco. They moved the ball really well, um, passing a lot. George Kittle was a big factor, and they got. Uh, to the goal line, I think they were about 10 yards out and they ran the ball twice for, I think, four yards combined. And by then it was third down already and you've only got two chances to throw in the end zone. So I thought that was a really questionable call. But um, yeah, Seattle Seahawks keep their season alive, I guess you could say, somehow. Yeah, it's a miracle that they're still somehow in the conversation. But let's move on to the Broncos and the Chiefs. TD, your last game of the week. It was a 22-9 to win to the Chiefs. Their defense looked good. But is these the kind of pre-playoff wins that can make the Chiefs oh so dangerous once the whips are cracking at the end of the year? This game just felt like a nothing game, really. We, we all kind of went into it knowing the Chiefs would win or at least thinking they would. Um, they didn't play great and they still won pretty easily, I thought. Um, I was really impressed with their defence. They continued uh, their good form they had from before the bye. Uh, they've 
sorry, forced 11 turnovers and only um, allowed 11.2 points per game in their last five, which is, you know, they've really flipped the switch there. They were such a bad defense at the start of the year, and that's what was holding them back, I think. But they seem to be, um, I wouldn't call them a good defense, but they're, they're good enough um, with the offense that they have. Well, they're as good as they need to be. Uh, but, you know, they didn't let Teddy Bridgewater get any momentum in this game. And Smithy's been saying it all year. He's not a good quarterback. Uh, and so many times in this game on third down, he just threw the ball away, um, which was really frustrating to see. Not that I had anything riding on the game. I was just watching as a neutral, but to see him on third down, third and five, third and seven, just roll out, have nothing. And instead of, you know, you don't have to force a ball there, but you Throwing the ball out so boring, um, especially when you're trailing for a lot of the game and into the second half. Um, I thought Denver's defense was pretty good too. They did only allow the one touchdown, uh, which was in the first quarter, first or second drive. Um, but they made enough plays to keep them in the game. It was just the offense that let them down. Javante Williams was the bright spot on offense for them. Uh, he had a massive workload without Melvin Gordon, but um, he had 178 total yards on 23 rushing attempts and nine targets, and he looked really good. Uh, like I said, he didn't get enough help from others on that offense. Um, Cortland Sutton seems to have fallen off the face of the earth. Um, he's not really producing at the moment. Jerry Judy played uh, pretty well, I thought, um, but on the other on the other hand, it was a quiet game for Kansas City on offense, especially Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, who combined for five catches for 49 yards. Um, but it was a really good sign that that defense can step up and take control in this game. And the Broncos, you know, they're only one spot out of a playoff spot, like we keep saying about a lot of these teams. But, you know, I just can't put any trust in them at the moment. Smithy, you've talked about how Denver are the most fraudulent organization in this league. They're clearly, we said it at the start of the year, and Teddy and obviously Drew Locke haven't changed their minds that this team needs a quarterback and then they're going to be in a better spot. There's still a couple of holes on the field, but quarterback is the biggest one. Do they draft one or do they go for one in the free agency period, do you think, or trade for one? The the tough thing about this question, and I've said it before with my Panthers, I've said it about Denver, I've said it about Washington, any team that really needs a quarterback, it's a really bad offseason for that because the QB draft class doesn't look great at all. Um, I think there's a few very risky guys who have high potential but could also seriously bust, um, and there's one or two solid options that don't have the ceiling of quarterbacks in, in the other draft classes that we've seen lately. So it's a really tough spot to be in. I think they have to do everything they can to get Aaron Rodgers Um or Russell Wilson. I think those are the two names that are being floated around in trade talks in terms of established quarterback stars, obviously to Sean Watson as well, but who knows with that situation. But I think Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers need to be one and two on the priorities list. Yeah, I like it. TD, do you agree? Go after Rodgers or Wilson, or do you put the faith in the scouts, draft one and bring them up probably under Teddy? No, I think they're really desperate for a... um for an established quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if he, you know, wants to go to Denver. I don't know how enticing Denver is as a spot for a quarterback like that. But um, you know, they need to try everything they can to to get a quarterback like that. There's going to be a few there this season. Um, you know, there's obviously a few quarterbacks that are interested in a trade this year, and obviously Aaron Rodgers um, is going to be available by the looks of it as well. So they really need to try their hardest to get. One of those. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Last game, and we've got a couple of more things, and then we're out of here. Smithy, the Patriots and the Bills, the AFC East blockbuster we were all waiting for. The weather kind of let us down, but the quality of contest was still high with a 14-10 to 10 New England win. And is the Coach of the Year conversation down to just two, being Bill and Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, I think it pretty much is. Um, I, I can't see anyone else really making a, char- a charge of that title now, but... What I can't get over is the Patriots won a game by throwing three passes, <laughs> three passing attempts in a game, and they win. It is ludicrous. It is ridiculous. It is unbelievable. Um, the, the conditions made this game almost impossible to decipher, uh, and I think the result can be thrown in the bin, to be honest, and that's no disrespect to New England, but 
Uh, I think the real AFC East contender will be decided in three weeks' time when these two teams play again under assumingly better weather conditions. Um, and to describe, if you didn't, if you haven't seen the game, if you haven't seen any clips of the game, and you're just thinking, how bad could the weather have possibly been? I saw a video of a kicker pre-game attempt a 30-yard field goal, and the ball went backwards. <laughs> he kicked it up against the wind. It stopped in the wind, and then it went right back over his head. So it was pretty much impossible to kick. Um, it was impossible to pass against the wind. It was hard to pass with it because balls were sailing. It, w- it was just an absolute shit show. Um, but shout out to our man Q, who I, who I said earlier, who started Mac Jones in fantasy and gave me a uh, much a much needed win. So that was handy. But yeah, throw this game in the bin. I never want to see it again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, TD. I mean, how much difference one throw can make if Dawson Knox. Uh, holds on to that catch, or Josh Allen finds Stephon Diggs in the middle of the field. This would be an entirely different result. So do you take a lot out of this result? Or like Smithy, do you look three weeks into the future to find out which of these teams is best served to potentially take out the AFC? Uh, I don't think you can take much out of the result. Um, any teams could have been playing in these conditions and you know any team could have won. But I think the thing I will take out of it is you know the Pats are for real. Um, they could have lost this game, and it's just uh, okay. They've they've lost a game in the win, but they lost. Uh, they won this game. Sorry, against the Bills, and it's it's just a game. I didn't expect them to win, and it was on the road. It's it's hard enough playing in that wind, um, and it's hard enough playing on the road. But put them together, it, it's just so hard. Um, they did play a boring and conservative game, and and for once, that's not a criticism coming from me. <laughs> no, that's not a criticism. Um, but it, they played the conditions perfectly. Um, I thought the Bills were the better offensive team, um, and that's probably because they decided to throw the ball a little bit more, obviously, um, three times. But I thought Josh Allen made some really nice throws with the wind, and he made a really good one to Stefan Diggs on the sideline against the wind. Um, but the Pats in this game were clearly coached better, and their run game was amazing in this game, considering the conditions. And the Bills stacked the box, and you know me watching the game knew they were going to run it, and the Bills knew as well, and they still... Um, dominated on the ground and even popped off a couple of big runs. And it felt like every time they had the ball, they were picking up big gains on the ground. So um, I didn't expect that, especially with the Bills defense, which has been pretty good this year. But you know, I, I really liked what I saw from the Patriots. I think there we go. Three compliments and an insult. That's as much love as you get from TD on this show, let me tell you. All right. If there's a week where everyone, NFL-wise, is sitting around and waiting to see who got another piss takers, I'm going to nominate this week because... TD, there were so many contenders across the board. Every position had teams and players clamoring for their spots. So I feel like you could make a second all-piss takers team and they would have still dominated even perhaps weeks further. So who made the piss takers squad for week 13? And Smithy, I'm sure we'll come up with a couple of players who are stiff here because it was some quality performances. Yeah, it was a tough week and... um yeah, especially at certain positions, I had a tough time picking the first one at quarterback just because um, there was some good performances and then, um, you know, there wasn't any real standout performance, I didn't think. And um, it's easy for me to, to pick the big names at quarterback every week, but it gets old. So I've gone with Gardner Minshew this week. Um, it was his first start in nearly a year. Uh, touching his stats earlier, but he was very efficient. Um, and as I said, I love him as a player. I love him as a guy and and to see him step up in his first game of the year and, and do what he did. Um, I really enjoyed that. Running back was Javante Williams for me. Um, there was no Melvin Gordon and he stepped up uh, in prime time. He was great on the ground and through the air and I kind of touched on his stats as well during that game, but he had plenty of the ball and you know he was their only, um, only way they were moving the ball on offense and he had some really nice runs in there as well, some where he just ran into a stacked box and then picked up an extra three or four yards. Um, he's just such a strong runner of the ball. Wide receiver, this was probably the easiest one for me. Uh, it was Justin Jefferson. Uh, he called this. Had, <laughs> he just had an out-of-this-world performance, and um, I knew it was coming because I celebrated with the dance a couple of days <laughs> before the game. But he had 182 yards on 11 catches, uh, and I'm pretty sure he scored a touchdown as well. Uh, he just absolutely dominated Detroit. Um and it's unbelievable the way he played, and they still didn't win. But um, he played 
really well. Tight end uh, was George Kittle, and he stole this spot from Dallas Godert. Um, He just had big play after big play, which included two touchdowns of 24 and 48 yards. Uh, He had a few big catches on the final drive that gave San Francisco a shot at the end. He was obviously with no Debo Samuel. He was majority of um, the 49ers offense in this game. And at defense, I also struggled picking one here, but it was hard for me to go past the Colts who um, shut out the Texans, only allowed 141 yards. They forced two turnovers and got four sacks. So um, I thought they had the best defensive performance of the week. Smithy, this is why we give this man the role, because in a week where we had so many clinical performances from so many players, I reckon he's nailed it. Honestly, I can't find many complaints there at all. Yeah, no, I'm pretty much with you. Um, I would have liked to see your man Tua get a mention. Uh, I, I thought this could have been. I thought this could have been Tua's week, but um, I actually really like the Minshew pick. So um, yeah, two thumbs up for you, Tua. There are 23 starting quarterbacks in this league that have started in 10 plus games who haven't got a mention. Gardner Minshew's walked up once and he's gotten in. How good is that? Beautiful stuff. I'm a little bit annoyed that Dazzling couldn't get a spot in the Piss Takers. Fantasy Team won. The Lock won. The Finns won. The Tips won. They just dominated I mean. But one more thing, Smithy, and then I'll let you sign us off in your signature style. So I saw on Instagram during the week that Cordell Patterson is a part of the My Cleats, My Claws, uh, My Cause, sorry, uh, wore his cleats as a dedication to his partner and himself and their son, Zion, whom his partner and he lost during pregnancy as an awareness towards uh, any pregnancy complications and, of course, the tragic uh, deaths that can happen when uh, pregnancy does occur. And it's not 100% about Coradell here, but the my cleats, my cause thing, I think the NFL more than any other sport um, pay tribute and homage to so many amazing causes and charities. And it's a little bit disappointing when sort of traditionalist fans uh, kick up a stink about it, but... I think we need to accept that sometimes shitty things do happen in life. And if anything, such as sport can shine a light on these things and make people know that the uh, it is okay to talk about these things. It is okay to go through these things because life does happen, I think, is a, a beautiful thing. So I want to give my uh, little shout out to Cordell Patterson for shedding a light on such a tragic issue. I hope him and his partner are as happy as they can be in such tragic times. It's been four years now since they lost their son. So... Um, Smithy, you've given a little uh, shout-out earlier in the show. There's mine for Cordell Patterson and to any other players that are going through or support staff that are going through anything in the moment. It's uh, always okay to bring up these things. So, Smithy, you can sign us off in our signature style, but that's it from us. Yeah, very well said, mate. Uh, it's one of my favourite weeks of the NFL, the uh, My Cause, My Cleats. So uh, I think they should be able to incorporate it a bit more, to be honest, because um, it, it is a really great cause. So... Uh, very well said by you. Thanks for joining us for the week 13 review. Been a bit of a longer one, but it's been jam-packed with quality analysis as always. We will see you in a couple of days for the week 14 preview. How crazy is that to say? But until then, stay safe, everyone.